We've been talking about prayer, and prayer is that one thing that reminds you and I that regardless of where we go or what we go through, that we have a way to bring the very presence of God in every situation and every place in life. I saw someone say not too long ago that prayer goes places that, that nothing else or no one else can. And I'm thankful because there's some places in our life that we go through that we don't want anybody else to go but I'm thankful that prayer goes with us. And because prayer goes with us, man, we know that God is there. He would not forsaken us, right? He would not leave us. He would not abandon us. Uh, and so today, I just wanted to kind of start off like this. You guys know we're not the only planet in the universe, right? That, that the world is not centered around the earth. Um, but we are just a small speck. And have you ever wondered about how great his creation, how expansive his creation is. And so if I could just help you understand uh, the magnitude of his creation, uh, I would try best to start off like this. Go ahead and show that video.
And I was watching that video that's, that was made by the European Space Observatory. Uh, they basically, they labeled it um, the end of man's knowledge. This is what we understand. That's all that we know. And as the whole time I was reading it, I thought, man, I feel sorry for the camera guy, you know. <laughs> It'd be, be a man before he comes home. <laughs> But uh, as I watched the video, I thought of this. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Isaiah 40, 26 says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. I, I don't know how big of a God that you serve, but he's too small. Whatever you can articulate, whatever you can conceive and comprehend, he is too small. When is the last time that you wondered at God? Just sat back and just went, whoa, whoa. When was the last time you looked into his creation just was blown away? You look back at what all he's done and you just felt a sense of admiration come over you. When you sang that song, the goodness of God, and teared up a little bit. Um, something happens when you ponder the awesomeness of God, but something also happens when you ponder the problems of man. And that's where we are and sometimes in our life, right? We, we serve this humongous God, but we also have these humongous problems. So we think. I th when I was watching that video, I thought, Lord, when we contemplate the problems that we have, it just is incomparable. Like, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. You are a vapor. You are here and gone. You are done. And, and these things have been around for long amounts of time. And we come to God with our little problems and say, Lord, do you not care? Do you not hear me? Scientists use telescopes and microscopes. Telescopes make those things that are very far away to come near, and microscopes bring those things that we see so small in our everyday life, and they make them Large, And so we use telescopes to make things far away to feel close, and we use microscopes to make things that are small to feel big. I would say that in our life that we use lenses like this in our prayer. We need to learn that telescopes, when we pray, are to make God who seems very far away. For imagine all of that is in his hand. It's, it's in the span of his hand. And so here is a, a humongous and incredibly great God who is beyond comprehension. And when we pray, he has the ability to come near to us, to draw near. That's why when he says, call upon him while he may be found, seek him while he's yet near. You, you understand how powerful those statements are. For what if God wasn't omnipresent and he only showed up at certain times when he filled the temple at certain times? The whole world would rally to this place. But we take it for granted 
And then we use these microscopes in our prayer, and microscopes take those things uh, that we can't comprehend, and we make them humongous. We make them large, and we forget about how great he is. This morning, I want to ask you a question. I want to ask you, when you pray, what are you magnifying? What are you magnifying? Are you magnifying a God who seems to be so far away to bring him near? Are you magnifying problems that are without significance in contrast to the rest of creation? But we make them larger than life. Let me just show you an example of what we see in Scripture, what happens when we contrast laments, or these might be petitions versus praise. Just hear how these things work as we pray. Imagine if you were the person that uh, someone was praying to, that you were God. How would this come off to you being of that size? Uh, A psalm says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? From the words of my groaning, oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day from when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. And my, bur- my bones burn like a furnace. My heart is struck down like grass, and with it I forget to eat my bread. Behold, because of my loud groaning, my bones cling to my flesh. I am like a desert owl of the wilderness, like an owl of the waste places. I lie awake. I'm like a lonely sparrow on the housetop. All my day my enemies taunt me. Those who deride me use my name for a curse, for I eat ashes like bread and mingle tears with my drink because of your indignation and anger. For you have taken me up and thrown me down my days like an evening shadow. I weather away like grass. Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? We hear that and we bear witness to it. But as a God of creation, I can only imagine how small-minded David was. Let me flip that around and, and hear the largeness of these prayers. You are my king, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. Though through you we push down our foes, and through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me, but you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. Chronicle says this, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And he is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the people are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his place. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice and let them say among the nation, the Lord reigns. I don't know about you, but if I'm God, I'm drawn to a certain type of prayer. I'm drawn to a certain type of prayer. I don't know about you, but can you imagine your child saying, well, Dad, you never love me. You don't care for me. I'm sick and I'm lonely and I'm, 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 I'm impoverished and my friends don't love me. And 
Oh, okay, that's enough. But what if your children came to you and said, Lord, in spite of, Lord, I hope they would not say Lord. But they came to you and they said, Mom, Dad, life's tough. I'm so glad I got parents I can lean on. And trust in who showed me every day how to be a model person, how to be a man of righteousness or a woman of righteousness. I'm so glad I get to come home and feel a refuge and a peace and a safety and a love that I don't have to give to receive. It just comes unconditionally. Now, will you pay for my lunch tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You hear my point? We pray microscopic prayers we pray telescopic prayers but we need to know that when you and I pray and we come to God we have to have a balance a ballast or what ships call a keel you see in our life what you need to know this morning is that if prayer is the boat that moves man closer to God then praise and adoration is the keel and ballast let me show you what I'm talking about this is the keel of the boat in the middle of the picture right there. You see that? It comes down. There you go, right there. You see, here's the boat, but here's this keel in the middle. You can imagine what that is, right? Is that when the winds come, when tribulation comes, right, and it's challenging, and we're, and we're praying, oh, God, keep us straight up. See, we can, we can feel the winds of life all day long, but there is an adoration and a praise that keeps our, our prayers vertical. If not, what happens is, is we start putting our problems more important than our adoration. And how is God to really supposed to move us across the lake of our life in a boat of prayers when, we don't, when we're not centered in adoration? we got to be centered in praise centered in telescopic prayers that says I know that my life it has some significance and I have a problem but there is a God great 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 and the more we praise the deeper that thing goes so bring wind bring tsunami bring whatever it may be those waves that try us adoration keeps your prayers centered centered most importantly, it keeps it focused on God and not on you. And when, when James says the reason why you don't have is because you don't ask, and when you do ask, you ask amiss, you ask incorrectly. I believe that he is saying you don't ask in adoration. You're constantly petitioning, but no praise. No praise. You expect God to give, but you're not affirming of who he is. And so when we talk about prayer, we should know there's a balance of prayer. There's a balance in prayer. To give you an idea, Jesus' prayer book was called the Psalms. The Psalms. He prayed that prayer often. You see Psalms all throughout the New Testament. Did you know that 64% of Psalms uh, written uses a telescope? If you, look at, if you look at Psalms that's been written out, they, all of those scriptures in there is constantly magnifying God at the percentage of 64%. And the other 36% uses the microscope. Woe is me. So what we see is simply this, is that there's a balance to what we say. And it's not just in the book of Psalms. When we, when we pray, there's, there's other scriptures that, that back this same idea up. Now listen, I'm not trying to give you a formula on how to pray. That You guys know that's not going to help you at all. 
But what I'm trying to get you to understand is that there is a right way in which our hearts approach God. And if we get out of balance with our approach, then we don't see the right things. We don't magnify the right things. And the God who is becomes small and our problems that are become great. So let me ask you this morning, my second question is, is when you pray, what do most of your prayers consist of? When you ask God, you pray, when you come to him in communion, what, what do your prayers consist of? I would say that if you're the average Christian, probably you. Most of our prayers are about us. God, I need this, I need that, I need this, I need that. Lord, help that person, that person, that person. And we feel great about our prayers, but our prayers are still about these things that are small and insignificant when compared to God. And we see the same ratio in, in the balance of prayers and psalms. We see this in a couple uh, major prayers throughout the Bible. There was a time when the apostles were threatened, and, and, and they were uh, just launching in, uh, in preaching, and they, they brought them in, they threatened to beat them. And this is what their prayer was. Acts chapter 4, 24 through 30 says, And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, when did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The king of the earth set themselves and the rulers were together together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles, and peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan have predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to speak uh, your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What I want you to see here is this. It's 155 words in that prayer. 70% of it is telescopic. 45 words are really just used for petitioning. They're threatened, and the beginning of the church era is right here on the cusp, in, in its infant stage. And what do they do? They're not, oh, God, if you would help us and, and, and come to us and hear us and hear our hearts cry. They're, they're not on those things. They're affirming who God is. They're affirming what he is going to do. They're not worried about their situation. They're not worried about finances. They're not worried about flesh. They're not worried about relationships. They're saying, oh God, we know who you are. Now, if you would be so kind to come and use us to heal people and speak your word, we would be thankful for that. In Daniel chapter 9, the same thing happens all over again. Daniel was praying this long, it's like 565 words, but but 110 words only ask God to intercede. The rest of it is talking about who God is and what he's done in the past and what he said he will do and what he promised he said he will do and how he sees prophecy unfolding. And so Daniel's stepping back saying, look how great you are, God. But if you would come and save us for your sake. I find this incredibly interesting because what I see here is this, is that Scripture and those in Scripture are starting to understand that our needs are not priority. In fact, if I could just say something to, to unnerve you this morning, if the Lord answers your need, 
he is not better because of it. And if he does not answer your prayer, he is not unholy because of it. He need not answer you, but he does. But even if he does not, he is still worthy of every bit of scripture and how they praise him. Can I ask you this morning that when we pray, do we give more credence and more priority to who God is? And if he answers the back half of our prayer, do we still go right back to the beginning of our prayer and say, he alone is God and whatever he thinks is good is good. If Nebuchadnezzar can stand up as a pagan king after seven years of walking in a curse and say of God himself, all his works are just and all his ways are right, then how can you and I, who had the spirit of adoption and redemption, ever doubt who he is and what he does? Where's our faith? I'm asking where's our faith at? I want to pray bold, powerful prayers. But I don't want to pray those prayers so I can know God personally or see him answer somebody else in a great way. I want to pray bold, powerful prayers so that way when people hear of who God is in my prayer and then see it manifested in the prayer being answered, they'll go right back to who he was when I prayed in the first place. And that's what I'm asking for you. In fact, we see this, this aspect of what Jesus meant in the Lord's Prayer. Matthew 6, 7 through 9, you've read it a, a thousand times. In fact, the Lord's Prayer is kind of like um, I grew up around some planes. You know, we'd have these C-130s go over all the time. And, and, uh, and, and as they would roar by, if people were new to the area, they'd go, whoa, what was that sound? You know, oh, just C-130, just C-130. And we got used to it after a while. And I feel like the, the Lord's Prayer is that that has been around the world for so much that we cite it without even really thinking of what we're saying. We have no clue, no idea, no, no understanding of what we're saying because it's been so familiar to us. And so I, I want to just kind of step back away from it and see some perspective this morning. He says this, Jesus says to us, and when you pray, do not Heap up empty phrases, you should underline that, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I find it peculiar that right before Jesus says, pray then like this, he proceeds uh, his model by saying, let me address the emptiness of man's speech, and let me show you how you ought to rightfully pray. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but history repeats itself. That man has always had empty speech, and I would dare say, if I could be so radical, that man will always have empty speech. And our job is to make sure that we are not like the history being repeated in our life, in our churches, in our family, and in our situations, that we ought not pray empty phrases. As I researched this, um, this particular word, empty phrases, I found some pretty neat things I couldn't wait to share with you today, uh, probably because there's a four-year-old inside of me uh, somewhere. But the word 
empty phrases in the Greek is um, vataloyeo. And that means to, to think without our, to speak without thought. Vain repetitions and stammering. Do you know anybody who speaks without thought? Vainly, re- I'm not talking about prayer. I'm just talking about life. They just stammer. They go on. And, and you, 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 <laughs> you kindly say, what the heck is that guy talking about? Lord, give him a brain. Wonder if the Lord sometimes listens to Scott Brandon and say, "Oh, we didn't do good. <laughs> we should have gave him more of a brain." But as I look through this this word "vataleo," it says this. There's a synonym that was really pretty cool. The synonym to this word is logoria. Logoria. Does that sound familiar to you? Logoria. The word "logo" means word. We know this word, but the word "ria" means to flow. It's similar to diarrhea, which means to flow through from the Latin. If I'm being spiritual this morning, yes, I did say diarrhea this morning for the pulpit, but it is spiritual. Because when I began to research this, here's what I learned, right? Is that as I, I, mean, I just dug all into this. I spent way too much time. But what I found was simply that in the Latin Greek, um, they characterize diarrhea by one's inability to absorb what goes in them. And so, therefore, there is no absorption process until it comes out, it flows out. And this is the synonym, which means when we pray, we're saying words that are flowing through us, but we don't comprehend what we're saying. There's no absorption to the word that's in us. And so the Lord is telling us, don't pray what you don't understand. Don't have diarrhea of the mouth, if I could just put it plainly to you this morning. Make sure that when you grasp onto a word and when you come to God, it's not just pretty or or powerful in man's ears, but do you know what you're saying? When you say it, it should impact you. And the reason why it impacts God is because it has impacted you. He's not looking for a word to move him. He's looking for a word to move you. So when we pray, we're not manipulating and twisting him and and catching him off guard like, oh, that was good. That was a good prayer right there. No. No, the Lord says, has it impacted you? I am the word. I don't need a word. I want to know that when you pray, you're absorbing me and letting me know where your heart is. Because when you pray to me, it's really just a matter of that, right? We said that prayer is responding to the knowledge of God. And so as we pray, we're allowing his word to change us and impact us. He then goes on to say, their prayers are not heard because of their many words. Ecclesians 5.2 speaks to this. He says, be not rash. Uh, the preacher Solomon says, be not rash with your mouth. Nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. God does not need your words to impress him. In fact, uh, when we read in Scripture, 
It was actually Elijah and his battle with the prophets. They prayed from morning till noon, multiple words, trying to get their God to respond. And Elijah walks up there and says, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. It's all petition. It's all praise. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. That this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Fire. Done. They spent all day. Now, don't let me discourage you in saying you should not pray all day. But I'm saying that we ought to watch what we say when we say, I believe that in the mouth of, of an unbeliever, when he says, I'm sorry. I believe the Lord comes in his fullness and changes a man and begins to renew and redeem in ways that you and I may repent for hours over. I'm not sure, but I just know the Lord knows that when words come out of our mouth, the power is in the word and not the multiplicity or the vocabulary of the words. Jesus says to us, pray then like this, like this. Your Bibles may say different. Mine says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have, uh, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In some translations, go ahead and finish up. And it says, for yours is the kinghood and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, I know I sinned and did not read that in the KJV. I know that. I know that. But what I want you to see this morning before we finish up is how powerful this, this scripture is. Theologians look at Jesus' prayer, and they, they break it down to what they call the 3-3 method, and that is the 3-3 structure. And that is three prayers or petitions are made to God, and three uh, petitions are made on behalf of man. We see that here, right? We see, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Those three things are made to God, but then concerning us. He says, give this, this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts. Lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil. We see that. Here's what you need to know. Those first three petitions are loud, big, majestic petitions. Our Father in heaven. Heaven. Larger than what we just can conceive right here. Heaven is far beyond creation. In heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is huge. This is eternal. This is royal. This is power. This is sovereignty. We want this to happen. We're praying for this to come quickly. We want to get caught up into that reality. And then we have the three after that. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. He says, give us our daily bread. Those are physical problems. Forgive us of our debts. Those are emotional problems. Lord, keep me from sinning again. Lead me out of temptation. Deliver me from evil. These are spiritual problems. What we see are these are small, lowly, Man, flaws, needy, dependent. We pray, we 
somehow in our prayer we mess it all up and we magnify the small things and we minimize the great things in our prayer. God, I need you. Don't you see my problem? Don't you know what I'm going through? Do you not see my marriage and my children and my finances? Do you not know where I'm at? What can I do? God, I beg you. I beg you to save me, to intervene. We spend our time magnifying things that are greater than him is how we present it. We should spend that time in saying, Lord, I'm broken. I'm needy. But here is who you are. That you know every single need that I have and that you are majestic and glorious and powerful and my adoration is without end with you and even if you don't ever answer me or make sense of why you do or do not answer me that's fine because still holy is the Lord that's how that's how we should pray most times we pray through a microscope We make those things that are small larger than God himself. But we should pray through the telescope. And I want to end with this as the band comes back. I want to end with this. Now hear me, this is very important. How do we pray through the telescope? How do we make God, who is very large, be very near? And I would say, look at This one particular passage. I think this is the greatest petition of all things. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Can I tell you that nothing else matters than the holiness of God? Nothing else matters. Can I tell you that whatever problem that you and I go through, whatever petition that we make, it all only matters. It will all only be answered if it reflects the holiness of God. It does not do him anything. If it doesn't reflect his holiness, you and I, we were were made to glorify God. That's our sole purpose. That's our sole purpose. Let me find my scripture real fast. Look at, look at Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Romans eleven thirty six. 36. For, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I want you to understand God is holy, and he longs for us to be holy, for he is holy. You and I bear image, even if we don't confess to Christ, we bear his image, but we also bear his name. And I believe that Jesus is praying right here, and he is saying, our Father in heaven, hallowed be. We already know God's holy. The challenge is, keep it that way. Keep it holy in your life. When you pray, know that if God does not answer your prayer, that's okay. He has a reason why. 
But if he does, know that the reason why he's answered your prayer and he has come close to you is because he is longing to, to reveal his holiness to you and through you. And so let me just walk up to your brain and just erase the whole chalkboard, okay? First, when you come to God, most of what you'll say is adoration, to praise him. And adoration is even stronger when it's contrasted against reasons why you should not praise him. So get your reasons. There's, there's, there's a part of us that's, that's, that's flesh. It's human. And so go to God. Lord, this is the reason why I shouldn't trust you, but here's why I, I will trust you anyway. And give him his adoration. And then make small talk of the things that he already knows. He already knows you are his prize creation. He breathed in you the living breath of God and man became a living soul. You are eternal because your creator is eternal. And he has set you far above. He knows all of these Hosts by number and name, how much more does he know when your heart is broken and your stomach is empty and your flesh is weak? Hear me this morning. He knows you. He knows you. And I would pray you would set aside the need to be known and prioritize the need to know him. So this morning, here's what we're going to do. We're going to worship. We're going to praise God. It's 1122. I know you got plans. If you got to go somewhere else and make God a less priority, I'll guilt you that way. That's fine. We've come to worship God. I don't know what you do the whole week long, but you need this moment. This will do more for you than anything else in your life. And so we're going to worship right now. And then after we get through worshiping, I'm going to pray for anyone who has a need. Now, you can come down here and pray at the altar if you want. That's up to you. It makes no difference to me. But we're going to worship, and then we're going to pray for some needs. So that may be healing. That may be relational, financial, whatever it might be. Wisdom, discernment, it might be that. I'm going to pray, and y'all stand with me. Father in heaven, we come to you knowing who you are. Oh, God, I pray. Don't make us better prayers, Lord, but expand our knowledge of you. That when we pray, we can respond to the knowledge of God. That we can pray the knowledge of God. That we can adore and lift up and worship who you are, God, in spite of our small microscopic problems, Lord. I ask you this morning, give us a spirit of praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Will you stand with me and worship? Thank you.